0: Welcome to Change Our Talk, where we discuss political issues with the aim of bringing some sanity back into our conversations. If you are like many Americans and are fed up with the state of the political landscape, the us versus them talking points, and the lack of substance from our elected officials, then this podcast may be for you. You can see full notes and more about what we do and what we hope to accomplish at ChangeOurTalk.com. I am your host, Dylan Renzel Now let's dive in to today's episode. Hello everyone and welcome to episode five. Today we're going to be talking about gas prices and how much the person sitting in the Oval Office has an effect on them. I'm also going to be talking about how high on your voter priority list gas prices should be. Now gas prices are something that everyone feels and we see basically flashing billboards showing its prices each and every day and each and every day that probably gives us an emotional reaction to whether the price is going up or the price is going down. Now, obviously over the last two and a half years, we have seen gas prices on the rise, even though we have seen them declining recently. And I've seen and heard a lot of conversations about gas prices and people trying to diagnose what they think the problem is. Now, for being honest, your diagnosis is probably heavily influenced by your political party. So if you're a Republican, it's very easy to say, well, this is Joe Biden's fault, and it's because of X, Y, and Z, and move on. If you're a Democrat, it's very easy to try to shift the blame from Joe Biden and put it on oil companies or on the war in Ukraine. And what I'm here to tell you today is that it's not one or two or three things. It's more like 50. Now, to try to weigh how much the president is to blame for this, we have to try to evaluate this from as many angles as possible. So I'd ask you to go on this journey with me today and be practical and try to kind of remove yourself from whatever your political leanings are. And let's try to get to the root of this because at the end of the day, this is about us being informed and whether or not this issue is going to be a cornerstone of how we vote in the midterm elections, how we vote in the 2024 presidential election, and moving forward. First, let me say that getting blamed for things that are going wrong is part of being the president of the United States. Now we hope that whoever is president is up to the task to take the criticism in stride and use it to make them a better leader. But I would like to provide a word of caution as I have done in all of these episodes in drawing a direct line from gas prices to who the president is at any given point. Now for a lot of people if I ask them why they think gas prices are so high I'm sure many would probably say it's because of Joe Biden. The inherent problem with that position is not that a president is being blamed. Or even that Joe Biden himself is being blamed. But because the simplistic answer neglects to acknowledge all the other factors that would go into determining what the gas prices are. So I'm not here to try to convince the listeners that Joe Biden is without fault for the rise in the prices. Just as I wouldn't say he's without deserving praise for the recent fall in prices. But I think this is much more a matter of degree than it is a matter of principle. So if I would to assign a scale, let's say from 0% to 100%, and if I ask a simple question like, is President Biden at fault for the gas prices, someone who says no, and that's all their answer is, is assigning 0% blame to the president. And if I ask the same question, is President Biden at fault for the gas prices, and someone else says yes, and that's all their answer is, then they're assigning 100% blame. And really, just from an accuracy standpoint, both of those positions are undoubtedly wrong. It is much more likely that Joe Biden deserves somewhere between 1% and 99% of the blame because then at least there's room to consider other factors in the conversation. So I must say that people should be careful to retreat to an explanation just because it's simple and it satisfies them emotionally. Now one thing that is clear is that many people in the United States do not approve of the job that Joe Biden is doing. His approval ratings are very low. They're in the mid 30%. But how much we like or dislike a president should be irrelevant in our evaluation of whether they bear none, some, or full responsibility for a specific event or development. And even while we look at the data of what polls say about what americans are thinking and feeling we should also consider a quote from george washington where he said it is one of the evils of democracy that the people not always seeing and frequently misled must often feel before they can act so george washington wasn't saying that democracy was evil but he was saying an element of it can be if the electorate is acting impulsively and just based off emotion And also just to be clear of what I'm saying, I'm not saying that people who disapprove of Biden are being misled to that conclusion, but I am pointing to the last part of the Washington quote, that people must often feel before they can act. So if we're being honest, our decisions are often dictated by emotions. And when we go to the gas station, we fill up our cars, we drive past the gas station and see that gas has went up 20 cents in a day. We feel upset about that, and rightfully so. And it also feels good to blame someone, especially a president that isn't very popular. And it especially feels good to blame a president that you didn't vote for. And I hear people that fall into that category that didn't vote for the president. And I see them talking about gas prices and saying things like, let's go Brandon, which if you're unfamiliar with that means F Joe Biden, because it's a way for those who didn't vote for Biden to say to those people who did, see, we were right. You shouldn't have voted for him. But that's a very limited view if you're only looking through the lens of what gas prices are doing so we'll dig into that a little bit more as we go but regardless of whether you approve of biden or whether you voted for him or you voted for trump or you voted for somebody else i would ask that we take a break from the catchphrases and the chants that are better suited for sporting events than breaking down a complicated issue and trying to assign causation because if you're unwilling to look at the entirety of any problem you will be more likely to misdiagnose the problem. And if you misdiagnose the problem, you can well bet your solution will be ineffective and may bring out even larger problems that you have not considered. So to start to dive into some numbers here, I would like to look at domestic oil production, which means oil that's produced here in the United States. I'm starting with this one because this is typically part of a more detailed criticism I hear of the current administration's energy policies. Now, there's no doubt that if you go back and look at Biden's rhetoric in the primaries and in the general election on oil and fossil fuels in general, that it's a much different position than his predecessors, and his long-term energy policy is definitely geared more toward renewables. So people take that of what Joe Biden said in the primaries and in the general election, and then they look at the fact that gas prices are $1.83 more than they were when he took office, and it makes it pretty easy to cozy up to the idea That it's because of his election that gas prices have gone up also people can point to him shutting down construction of the keystone xl pipeline or suspending drilling permits on federal land and again those actions make it very easy to feel affirmed in the position that this is president biden's fault so if you look at what this criticism boils down to it's basically this the claim is that biden is cutting domestic oil supply which is to blame for the gas price surge So you can point to shutting down construction of the Keystone XL pipeline. You can point to the uh, suspension of drilling permits on federal lands and basically say that's cutting domestic oil production that's leading to higher gas prices. Now, I'm at least comforted by the fact that this criticism has a basis in economics where if supply is reduced, then prices go up. But let's go ahead and look at the domestic oil supply numbers. When Biden took office in January of 2021, Domestic oil production was at 11 million barrels per day. So that's where he started, 11 million barrels per day. That's what he inherited, if you will, from the Trump administration. So to put that in context, in December of 2019, domestic oil production was at 12.9 million barrels per day. So he's starting at 11. The highest it's ever been was 12.9 in December of 2019. Obviously, that was during the Trump administration. But if you continue to look in May of 2020, That number had fallen all the way to 9.7 million barrels per day. So I know I'm throwing all these numbers around. It's probably a little confusing, so I'll just say this. Over the course of just five months, domestic oil production fell by over 3 million barrels per day, and who the president of the United States was did not change. And at that time, the average American probably didn't know and didn't care that the domestic oil production had gone down because gas prices were going down. And the reason gas prices were going down is because global demand for oil and gas plummeted due to the pandemic, due to lockdowns around the world and people not traveling as much and all of those things. But I need to make a big point here because I think it's very important oil prices around the world a barrel of oil what it was trading for globally in the spring of 2020 went down so much that it did something that had never happened before the price of a barrel of oil actually went negative so i'm not going to elaborate on that right now but i want you to remember this because i will come back to it later that the price of oil a barrel of oil actually went negative under zero for the first time ever And like I said, I'll come back to that here in a little bit. But let's get back to when Biden took office. When Biden took office, we went from 11 million barrels per day in production to currently we're around 12.1 million barrels per day in production. So it's 1.1 million barrels more being produced now than when Joe Biden took office. Now, I'm not saying that to praise Joe Biden. I'm just saying that as a fact because people saying that domestic oil production has been cut is just simply not true but i do think it's important to point out that the president doesn't set the production amount although government policy can certainly affect domestic oil production it's not like whoever's president gets to sit there and be like hey today we're going to make this much amount of oil that's not really the way that it works but i'll talk about the specific policies of joe biden at the end so we'll come back to that one as well so at this point i would like to shift the focus from domestic oil production to global production And there has been a lot of confusion on this in the past and there were claims that America was energy independent or became a net exporter of oil in 2019. But when you start digging into what that actually means, it gets quite fuzzy and especially because at the time, politicians and specifically Donald Trump were the ones informing us and they didn't do a great job with the details because being vague and slightly misleading is kind of what politicians do if you haven't noticed. So to say something like, America was energy independent just isn't true, at least in the sense of how a lot of Americans are going to interpret that. Because I, again, I'm making an assumption here, but I think a lot of Americans are thinking when somebody says you're energy independent, that means we create all of our energy and it, it supplies whatever energy needs we have. So it's like, American energy American consumers it's all just kind of here in the United States and we don't need anybody else type of thing but that's never been the case okay we've never we've never done that because we import things from other countries all the time that contribute to our energy needs whether you're talking about oil or or a host of other different things so another thing that we heard was that America was a net exporter of oil And this is more true because at least it goes; it doesn't say just energy in general. It talks specifically about oil. But even that, I think a lot of people were interpreting that we were producing all the oil here in the United States that we needed and we were using it and then that was it. But all it means is that we were exporting more oil than we were bringing in. But that doesn't mean that we weren't bringing in oil still. So to give you an example, let's say America needs... 10 million barrels a day of oil to just meet its energy needs it's actually a lot higher than that but let's just say it's 10 million barrels per day and we produce 12 million barrels that means we have 2 million barrels left over that we can export right that's how like a lot of people think that what we do first is we pump the oil for america and then whatever's left over we would export but that's not the way that it works Private oil companies are going to be shipping this oil all around the world regardless, while we're shipping oil in from other places. Now, to some people, that seems like not common sense. Like, why would you do that? That's so stupid. You have oil barges, like, passing each other over the, in the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans, and why? why do that? Well, I'm not an oil expert, so I'm not going to claim to be, but just through my research, I've learned that there are like 150 different types of oil in the world. And certain types of oil that might be here in the United States might be better suited for refineries in China, while some oil there might be more better suited for refineries here in the United States. And some oil that's pumped might not even be able to be used for gas. It can only be used for other things. So depending on the type of oil that's actually accessed from the ground that's going to determine what kind of refineries what kind of products and all that stuff so it gets even more complicated still with just that it's not like all oil in the world is exactly the same and it's interchangeable that's not the way that it works unfortunately it would probably be a lot better if that was the way that it was but it's not so why am i making such a big deal about this well the average american doesn't know as much as they should about the rest of the world and i would certainly include myself in that criticism we have a tendency to kind of see the world through an american-centric viewpoint if you will and now as important and as impactful as america is on the world we have to acknowledge that we're only five percent of the world population We're only 5% of the world's population, even though we're the third most populated country in the world. But we can't control everything. The U.S. produces about 15% of the world's oil. That's number one. There's no other country in the world that produces more oil than the United States. So we can certainly take pride in being number one if we choose and move on. Or we can acknowledge that there is still 85% of global oil production that's produced somewhere else besides here. So i want to pause here and just make a point which is our political discussions which start with gas prices tend to then go to conversations about domestic oil production and the policies that are affecting that and then i don't really feel like it goes much further than that it kind of just stops there but like i already said even when america was a net exporter of oil in 2019 We were still importing oil that didn't mean that we weren't importing oil so we were still relying on foreign oil even when we were a net exporter so that's number one number two is even though america is number one in the world in oil production there is still 85 percent of the global production that's not here in the united states so it's that global production that's determining the supply it's the global demand that's determining how much oil is needed around the world And those things are not necessarily alleviated to a serious degree because of increased domestic production here in the United States. Does that help us? Of course. But that is not the only factor that's going to determine what the price of oil and therefore the price of gas is at any given point. So if you look at the price of gas over the course of the Biden presidency, you will see that gas started at $2.39 per gallon in January 2021, and then in June of 2022, we saw the average go just over $5 a gallon for the first time ever, which isn't exactly true um, that it was for the first time ever, but I'll explain that in a second. So gas increased $2.60 or so in the first 18 months of the Biden presidency. But if you're truly trying to understand what happened, I would encourage you to look at what rate prices were increasing at different times over that 18 months. So to understand that, I think we need to go back to June of 2020 when President Trump was still in office, when gas was $2.03 per gallon. I think I mentioned before that gas had fallen all the way to $1.77 in the early stages of the pandemic when we first saw that demand shock. And then by June of 2020, it had gone back up to 2.03. And then when Trump left office, it was that $2.39. So in the last six months of the Trump presidency, we saw gas go up $0.36. Cents. So that's $0.06 cents per month if we're looking at it from a rate standpoint. Then in the first year of the Biden administration we saw prices increase 93 cents, which averages out to about seven cents per month. So if you're looking at the amount in which gas prices were increasing, that's pretty consistent, six cents per month and seven cents per month. From January of 2022 to June of 2022, we saw price increased $1.70 in six months. Okay, $1.70 in six months. So that's 28 cents per month. Okay, so we went from a year and a half of six to seven cents per month increase that's pretty consistent and then all of a sudden in six months we go to 28 cents per month so to me when i'm looking at data like that you have to go whoa what's happening here all of a sudden this rate is going through the roof and the reason for this that i could see is it's the invasion of ukraine by russia uh, russia invaded ukraine in february 2022 Gas prices were 360, and by March they were over four dollars. They were 423. So, I know a lot of people that don't like Biden get upset when you blame Russia or Putin's war in Ukraine and say prices were going up even before then. I agree with them. That's true. Um, that the gas prices were going up even before then, but they were going up at about seven cents per month, not at 28 cents per month. So, that difference tells me something is different about one of those time periods and so the war in ukraine is undoubtedly a huge factor in driving up the prices between january of 2022 and june of 2022 but much like that very quick increase we saw an even faster decrease recently so from june to august we've seen over a dollar drop in the average uh, cost of gas across the country which would be, if we were looking at the rates, dropping at 50 cents per month. So it seems like Joe Biden is dealing with what a lot of other past presidents have dealt with, which is fluctuating gas prices. So what I'd like to do is go all the way back to the late 1970s and look at each president from Carter to Biden and give you their low price of gas during their presidency and their high price of gas during their presidency. And I think what you'll find at least in most of them is that the gap between the low and the high is quite large so the reason i'm showing you this is my overall argument is that the president's policies do have an effect on gas prices but they don't have so much of an effect or as much of an effect as people like to act like they do and if that wasn't the case then we would see clear cuts from one presidency to another where gas prices go up or go down based on who the president is and the fact of the matter is is we see gas prices being low and high during the same presidency so if that's what the data is showing us then that argument just simply doesn't really hold a lot of water for me at least but these numbers that i'm going to give you are adjusted for inflation so they are in 2022 dollars So that we can conceptualize them and be like, okay, that's actually not uh, really that cheap. So for instance, if you look back in 1976, gas was 59 cents per gallon. So you look at that and you go, oh wow, 59 cents per gallon, that sounds really good. But if I adjust that for inflation, it would be $3.06 per gallon in today's dollars. And then Carter's high was $1.19, which adjusted for inflation is $4.26. So I'm going to just go with the already adjusted for inflation numbers from here on out. Reagan, low $2.33, high $4.24. Bush, 41, low $2.38, high $2.61. Clinton, low $1.92, high $2.32. Bush, 43, Low, $1.84, and high, uh, $5.47. So I want to stop here real quick because obviously George W. Bush's gap is quite large. $1.84 for the low and $5.47 for the high. Now, if we look at what they actually were, prices were at the time, it was $1.10 and $4.06. But if you adjust that $4.06 for inflation, it would be equivalent to $5.47 today and that's why i said it's not really true that it's never been over $5 a gallon. Nominally that's true, but when you look at the actual money value, that's not exactly true. Then we go to Obama, low of 2.16, high of 4.96, another very large gap, and Trump, low of $2.05, high of $3 and 49 cents so i know a lot of the people leveling criticisms against biden are trump supporters so i would just have you look at that data and be like okay over the course of four years trump saw basically a dollar 45 difference between his high and low prices so if it was purely just a presidential policy that was determining this i don't think you would see that much of a fluctuation and certainly not with bush or obama same thing pretty big gaps even bigger gaps between between their numbers so this brings me to my overall point which is that we should be weary of putting gas prices too high on our voting priority list because at that point we should just be putting which way the wind is blowing today on our voting list as well if we're voting for a person especially a president that's going to serve for four years and we look at all of the presidents and most of them have a pretty big gap between their low and high prices. And we look at all of the global factors that come into determining gas prices. And we look at the just recent events of the fact that we saw gas prices go up 28 cents a month for six months in the beginning of 2022. And then now on the backside of, of that six months from June to August, we've seen it go down a dollar. so. If you make gas prices a voting priority, you would have you would vote differently now than you would in February or in June or whatever. And I think that we should be making our voting decisions based on a little bit more concrete, enduring principles and values and policy decisions and policy positions rather than just where the gas prices are at any given point. So I know a lot of the people that level a lot of the criticism for gas prices directed at biden are people who aren't going to vote for joe biden anyway but if you are a person who's kind of in the middle all i would say is to make sure that you place emphasis on other things rather than just the gas prices when you're making your voting decision so to start closing up here i just want to say that i think that we try very hard to be able to create a simple explanation for why things are happening And if we can point to one thing, if we can point to a person to blame or if we can say it's the Democrats fault or it's the Republicans fault, we then set ourselves up to be manipulated in the short term by people who are running for office that are trying to cultivate these frustrations and cultivate these emotions to give them political power. And I just think we need to be weary, like I said, of making gas prices a voting priority so the fact of the matter is is that the overall increase in gas prices and then now the sudden decrease is going to be determined by so many different factors and who the president of the united states is is not a large percentage in my view of of those factors and i know a lot of people want to blame domestic policy and domestic policy has a part to play i'm not saying that it doesn't But if you look at when the spikes in prices happened, um, for me, it looks like the global events of COVID-19 and demand recovering globally and supply of not only American oil companies, but oil cartels like OPEC and OPEC Plus uh, and the war in Ukraine and all of that are bigger factors than who the American president is. I've also heard a lot of people say that well, it's Biden's fault that Putin invaded Ukraine. And if Trump was still president, Putin never would have done that. But the problem with that logic is that it's an unverifiable claim and you can't prove a negative. So we really have no way of knowing if that's true. And secondly, by that logic, we would need to blame Lincoln for the 700,000 lives lost during the Civil War. We would need to blame Franklin Roosevelt for Hitler's invasion of Poland and the Holocaust. We would need to blame Truman and Eisenhower for the rise of Mao Zedong in communist China. The point is this. When you view the only factor in the world as who the American president is, you will be easily misled, easily seduced by political rhetoric, and that will contribute to a decline of democracy because you are placing yourself as just part of the emotional mob, which is ruling by impulse and lacking the will to try to attempt and understand this crazy world that we live in. And if you think that just changing the party in power will fix the problem, I believe you are mistaken. Now, if you want to change the party in power for other reasons, then I respect that. And there's plenty to criticize Biden for and the Democrats for. But if you want to become a single issue voter, with your single issue being gas prices, then you are doing what Washington feared, being one of those people, quote, not always seeing and frequently misled. Feeling before they can act so as we move into the future we should be informed by the past and the past shows us that gas prices will go up and gas prices will go down because it's a very volatile commodity that is dependent on so many global factors and events one of the least of which is who the president of the united states is and because of that we need to be focusing on enduring principles like constitutional norms institutional integrity the vitality of democracy if not more specific policy positions. So be weary of being duped into thinking that those things are less important than how you feel when you pump your gas. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. You can find full show notes from today's episode at changeourtalk.com. If you are liking the podcast, I would be honored if you would go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a review. In the meantime, remember... Democracy only thrives when ideas can flow. That flow is dependent on our communication. So if we want to change our society and country for the better, we must change the way we talk. I hope you tune in next time. Until then, take care.